The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brand, promote your listings. Learn more at adworks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, adworks.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest. He's uh, coming back to the Valley of the Sun. It's Josh Coleman of My Home Group Realty. Josh has been in the business just a short four years, but in that time has already built a team up of nearly 20 plus agents and staff. He's really moving things along, love what he's doing, and we're going to find out a lot more about him in today's episode. So welcome to the podcast, Josh. Well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate you having me on. Now, we always start uh, on every episode of the Real Estate Sessions with where you were born and raised. And every now and then we get a native from Arizona, but it's just every now and then. You are not yeah. from Arizona, right? Tell me where you were born and raised. Yeah, so it's a, it's odd that you asked this question. I was actually born in Tucson and uh-huh. uh, moved to the Midwest when I was a three-year-old boy and um, grew up there, went to, through high school there and went through college and um, got pulled back to Arizona, fortunately. So it's, uh, you know, I'm a mid, Midwest boy at heart, but same time, you know, I got some Arizona in me. So when you say Midwest, for you, that's Indiana, right? Correct. Yeah, I was in a very small town of about, I'll probably be wrong, 7,000 people. Mm. It was center of the state, right on the Illinois border. So it was, uh, you know, very small town. And uh, yeah. And in Indiana, if I'm, if I know this right, the northern Indiana and southern Indiana are like two different worlds, right? <laughs> you got it. Yeah. It's, uh, northern <laughs> Indiana is obviously affiliated with Chicago in a lot of ways. And then southern Indiana is just feels like a world away. Right, a very uh, more more southern feel to it, a little more rural, obviously. But you were kind of up close then on the Illinois border. That means you're up in the north north uh, western part of the state. Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of center of the state, if you will. If you take Indianapolis, which is just kind of the hub of Indiana. Yeah. And I was directly due west of of Indianapolis by about sixty seventy miles. Okay, good. You know, as a big sports guy, and I know you are too, Josh. You know, question that comes up for me is basketball in Indiana because. I mean, you go back to the Bobby Knight days when I was a kid. I'm a little older than you, so when I was a kid, you know, Bobby Knight was everything, and Indiana basketball was amazing, and they were always competitive. And it, when there was a Mr. Indiana chosen every year, which is the top high school basketball player in the state, that was national news. So when you're yeah, going, yeah when you're going up there, was is basketball really still that big in Indiana? You know, and I never experienced Texas high school football, but it's kind of the same thing, right? You you okay. see that and how it makes national headlines and and that sort of thing. And I know kind of Florida seems to be running close behind in the high school football arena. But yeah, Indiana high school basketball is just different. It's the best way that I can put it. I remember, you know, gyms being so full that you could barely take the ball out of bounds. And, and I'm talking gyms like these are real basketball gym, gymnasiums. And it was, you know, four to 6,000 people in these things. And, you know, the state finals and then, you know, the sectionals and the regionals and all that stuff is just, it's like a community event, to be right. honest with you. And even See, in a small town of 7,000 people, I mean, 
Friday and Saturday night, that's what everybody did. You know, they had the, you drive through the little small town and the windows of the dry cleaners and the, the restaurants and everything would have, you know, like the soap and the paint and, you know, with everybody's name that was on the team and their number and go, you know, go whatever the mascot was. And so it was a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool experience. And I've got a lot of basketball in me and played it growing up. So it was, it's a lot of fun doing that in Indiana. Yeah, I would think that it's uh, almost like, like I said, a bucket list item is to catch a Texas high school football game on a Friday night and then catch a basketball game in Indiana, you know, in a high school. Yeah, you it, yeah you're talking, when you say four to 6,000, you're talking like double-decker arenas built on a high school campus. Yeah, it was, uh, it's incredible. You go, it, What's funny to me is I have a good friend here that does a lot of, uh, he, he's a referee for high school and now he's kind of graduated to the college level, but when I first came out of here, I'd go to some of his high school games. I mean, I still enjoy going and watching high school basketball, no matter where I am. And you would go to the gyms out here, and Phoenix being such a big metro area, you're obviously going to go to some powerhouse games where, you know, there's some kids playing that are D1-type athletes. But then you would look at the stands, and I kid you not, two, 300 people would be in the stands. And it was just like – it was kind of that aha moment, like, wow, you know, my childhood was so cool in a sense that – you know, basketball being such a large part of it was you got to experience that on the weekend, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights. Right. Now, let's take a little further. I, uh, somewhere socially, as I was kind of doing some research for the show, I, I know you're a big uh, Colts fan. And that makes sense. You grew up near Indianapolis. You even kind of mentioned yeah. you're raising your son to be a Colts fan. I guess that's OK. Uh, it's, you know, dads do what dads do. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I grew up in San Diego and it still burns me to this day that Bill Polian kind of, you know, there was back in the day in 97 when Bill Polian chose Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf. We were giddy to get Ryan Leaf. And I'll tell you why as a Charger fan. Because Ryan Leaf was a stud. He looked like a stud. And Manning looked like an accountant. And we, we, were, we were just – we knew we had the best end of that deal. We were so happy. And obviously, we could not have been more wrong. Well, it's funny that we're doing this today. You know, the, the Colts just finally honored Peyton back in Indianapolis. Everybody knows that he retired a Denver Bronco. But, you know, kind of go back on your story. Yeah, I mean, I remember the, the draft uh, back then. And, you know, I, I don't remember having the sense of being bummed out that we took Peyton and not Leaf. But, you know, I was a, you know, I was a much younger guy at that point in time. So I don't really – I don't know if I realized the impact it truly had over the years until Peyton started catching steam and, you know, we got the better end of the deal. So, I, yeah, I, I think it goes back to the the whole thing with Edger and James and Ricky Williams as well. I mean, you oh, look at yeah. that draft yeah. choice. I mean, there was there was two draft choices that Polian made that really put Indianapolis on the map. I mean, you look at, you know, what it's called Lucas Oil Stadium now. They got out of the Hoosier Dome. Um, and that's basically a shrine to Peyton, if you will. So, right. yeah, I mean, I can understand being a Chargers fan where you're a little burned on that one. Yeah, that's all right. Well, let's let's leave that quickly and let's move on. So you <laughs> you went to school in Indiana. You went to Indiana State University, right? Yeah. So okay. um, I don't know if many people know this about me, but it's uh, full disclosure. I never did walk away with a diploma. It okay. was um, I you know, I started in um, I started at Indiana University and had a lot of fun there, as you can imagine, and mm -hmm. went back to Indiana State. And it was just I was really good at golf. Um I don't know if you knew that, but, uh, you know, I was really good and, you know, I was kind of going through this college thing and I just didn't have any direction at that point in time in my life. I wasn't doing bad things. I just didn't really have direction. It was like, okay, what am I doing here? You know, I, I, my passion is golf and that sort of thing. So 
went to Indiana State. I'm very close to um, having the credits to graduate, but it just wasn't for me. And so I, you know, took the leap of faith and got right into the golf industry. Yeah, so I knew that. I, it's um, in, in your history, you, you actually worked at a Robert Trent Jones course um, yeah. you know, for a number of years. So you're, well, you were in school, though. It, golf was the focus. Real estate wasn't even on your radar, I'm sure. No, not at all. And golf, to be honest, was, wasn't my primary focus as well. It didn't happen until kind of later into my college career where I said, you know, this is what I want to do. And, you know, just with the networking abilities and that sort of thing that I always had, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to take a job in the golf industry on the East Coast. And then to kind of back up your story about the Robert Trent Jones course, Robert Trent Jones that the later years of his life built his kind of shrine towards, you know, him and his name and that sort of thing. And he built this course outside of Washington, DC in Northern Virginia. And it was literally like a, you know, a high end golf club where, you know, all the politicians in the area were, you know, Michael Jordan was even a member. We had uh, president's cups out there. Um, you know, it was a fabulous, fabulous place. And so that kind of just, and radar and real estate wasn't even on the radar then. It wasn't until after a couple other things that happened in life where did, you know, the real estate door kind of open. Right. So I've got um, good friends who work in the golf industry. I love playing golf myself. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny. And, and in my history in the past, you know, I worked for the Padres for 12 years. So I was very close, very in major league baseball. But I, I find that if you love golf or if you love baseball, and you get that's your favorite sport and you get a job in that sport, it changes the way you look at the sport. Does that, does that resonate yeah. with you? Yeah. 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 Everyone thinks, Oh my gosh, it's the greatest gig in the world. And you're like, yeah, until it's your job. Um, yeah. And, and you know, it, it's funny to talk about that, right? If you look at the golf profession right now, which I believe is a very saturated market, somewhat like being a real estate agent in Phoenix Metro, but <laughs> you, um, you look at that golf industry and it looks kind of sexy from the outside until you get into it. And it's just like you said, I mean, it's your job now. And you know, the industry, the golf industries went in such a totally different direction. It's not about playability anymore. You know, it's more about, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but it's more about bottom line and folding shirts, you know, and selling merchandise and right. you, it's more of having an MBA than it is actually being a true golf professional. Right. That though, that's definitely reversed over time. In the old days, it was all yeah. about teaching and coaching and being, being, being with the members and the, the shop kind of, kind of came second. And now that's completely switched and it, it is, it's a business and that's what's happening everywhere. So you, you get through, you're, you're there for a few years. What, what happens and all of a sudden, how do you get back to Arizona? Was it, it must've been a family tie because you might've had some people still here. It sounds like. No, actually it wasn't. So I was in the golf industry. I moved to Northern Virginia in 05, I believe it was. 05. Well, I at this point in time, I'm a young kid. I have no clue what's going on in the economy with the housing industry and all this stuff. And I still say this to this day, like I was just ignorant to what was going on around me in some sense. And um, in 2008, everything was kind of unwinding. And so you can imagine a very high end golf club with a lot of overhead and they're looking at staff and they're saying, okay, you know, we were a club that literally had 12 inches of snow on the ground in the winters. And we still employed a director of golf, a director of instruction, a head professional, three assistant professionals, and then shop help. And they wow. came, they were on staff all year round. So you can imagine back in 08, they were looking to cut people. And luckily I'd been there long enough and had some, um, you know, I had some tenure there that, you know, my boss came to me and he was like, Hey, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, you know, I'd love to go try to play this game for a living. Um, 
and you know I had some I had some successes as a club pro and that sort of thing so nonetheless again being at a very high-end club we put together this kind of resume if you will with all my accolades of you know playing as a professional and that sort of thing and I was able to raise some money from the membership and that's when it kind of started the second leg of this whole golf career was going and playing professionally. So you get sponsors basically that are going to kind of cover your expenses while you're out trying to make your way probably starting on mini tours I'd imagine. Yeah and so that's why I came this way you know I had you, in the winter months you have two choices you have West Palm Beach Florida or you have Phoenix Arizona and I chose Phoenix and part of that was because a family I had some family members that when I moved to, to DC area um, my aunt lived out there and then she had moved back to Tucson and that sort of thing so that was the draw as well to come to Arizona for the winters was it was that was that called the gray goose tour then that you were you were playing um, on here? yeah no it was gray goose at one point in time and then it went to the gateway shortly gateway. afterwards that's right, and that's, yeah. where okay. the, uh, that's where I played a lot all right so you're out and uh, obviously uh, I'm sure this happens to you all the time when you just pick up the clubs and you're playing with a buddy out here in the desert and they see how how good you are. They're blown away that you're not playing professional golf. And I think trying to explain to, um, you know, uh, the average golfer that where you're at yep. and getting to that next level is just this incredible gap, right? It's just crazy how good those guys are. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's, it's, I say this, I play better now than I did when I was playing professionally. And I think it's because you're attached, you know, you're, you attach to the outcome when you're playing professionally because it's kind of how you make a living. Right. Right. And I was fortunate enough to get my amateur status back about a year and a half ago and I still enjoy playing. Unfortunately, I don't get to play it as much as I'd like to because just work gets in the way, obviously, but, right. um, yeah, you know, you play it with the with the normal amateur, right? The average golfer, and they are blown away, but they don't understand, you know, how good the other half truly is. The professionals are, you know, are just they're unbelievable talent. Right, right. Well, so you're now you're in Arizona now. Now you're married, correct? I was. I was married when I went to play professional golf. Okay. Uh, no, excuse me. I got married the first year we went to play professional golf. Okay. Um. And yeah, that was another challenge, as you can imagine. No, I get it. Yep, because that's you, that life is uh, nomadic, to be kind. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was in the car, you know. I mean, you try right. to play somewhere between 20 and 35 weeks a year. Um, man, you know, it's 2,500 to $3,000 a pop a week. Right. And then, you know, you're away from a wife and, you know, it, it was just, it was a tough life. You know, Difficult. it's not as appealing as it looks from the outside. Right. Well, let's, 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 um, let's transition from there then to you now ending up full-time in Arizona and deciding to um, throw your energy into real estate. How did that happen? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough when I was playing golf, I, I remember like it was yesterday, I was at Southern Dunes Golf Club in Maricopa. Nice track. For a tournament. Nice track. Yeah. yeah. Very, one of my favorites still. And yeah. I remember going, I played the front nine and I was playing with another gentleman who was playing the tournament that week or whatever. And we get to the 10th tee and there's kind of a backup there when there's this guy, uh, there's this other kid that's trying to play in this guy that's with him and uh, make a long story short, we had played the back nine together and the guy that was helping the kid kind of coach him around the golf course and get ready for the tournament is like the biggest mentor in my life now. Like we just instantly hit it off. He's a great friend of mine. He, you know, he's almost a father figure in a sense. And um, so he kind of helped me through this whole golf profession life. We are very good friends now. And uh, he lives here in the area and 
in 2012 when the golf thing just kind of unwound I you know I called him and said what do I do and he was like get on a plane and come to you guys at this point in time I was living in Indiana full-time he goes get on a plane and get into real estate in Phoenix and I was like oh great here we go again and mm -hmm. uh so I just took the leap of faith and got into that you know got into the nine-day crash course of real estate and said this is what I'm going to do and now now we're here now is he in the real estate um he is industry? Yeah, okay yeah. Yep, he is. You know, his daughter's a very successful real estate agent here in the area. Excellent. Uh, his wife is too. And just, um, yeah, it was just, it made perfect sense. Not at that point in time, but now it does, you know. So he was uh, a guiding force for you to kind of, um, as, as you got started in the business, you had someone there the, to, to mentor and coach and kind of get you moving down the right path. But then, yep. you know, you've, you've obviously taken this to a whole nother place. You're part of my home group, which is doing some crazy stuff around the valley. You know, I, it's funny. It's not a company that you hear a ton about, but man, I've heard a lot about a lot of their agents. And I don't know if that's intentional. It really just seems that it's, you've, there's this core group of agents doing some amazing stuff. So talk a little bit about that company and, and how you ended up with them. Yeah. So my home group, um, owned by a great group of guys, uh, Mark and Jeremy, who are, you know, I, I call them friends now. Uh, yeah, you know, they got this vision and they know exactly where they're headed and they're doing an awesome job with it. Um, for those that don't know that we have 11 or 12 now locations around the Valley, it's not individually franchised like some, uh, some other brokerages are. And, you know, they just, it's just the the culture's right, if I could say that. I've been around to, you know, three or four different brokerages now, and this is the one that feels like home and um, since my home group, right? So, yeah, it, uh, yeah. yeah you know, it, it's just the right fit. I mean, you know, the Inc. 500, one of the fastest growing real estate brokerages in the in the country, and, you know, just all the other accolades they're getting, and it's just been a, a really, really, it was a really good decision for me to bring me and my team over here and now the team's growing at rapid rates. I'm finally surrounded by a staff that I have that's just, you know, committed to my vision and, and where we're going at 21 or 22 agents now. And, you know, we want to get up into the hundreds and it's, uh, you know, it's just been a fun, fun experience. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I mean, with these guys and their expansion goals and that sort of thing, it's just the right fit. Yeah. The, the trials that you went through, you know, in, in your golf career, the, that grinding, and that word is used a lot in golf, but mm -hmm. it, it absolutely applies in the world of real estate. You have got to grind hard to get to where you're at today, and where you want to go is going to require even more effort, correct? Yeah, so, you know, if those that are listening don't know a lot about me, so I got into real estate back in 2012, like I said, and was lucky enough to do pretty good and committed to the process and that sort of thing. Well, about middle of 2015, I, you know, I started looking at this thing and it was, you know, how do I expand and what do I truly want to do and what's my purpose and what's my vision and all this stuff. And, you know, you go back to the golfing, uh, the golfing days and kind of the experience that I was taught then. And, um, you know, I just figured my purpose was like, I see there's so many real estate agents here in the area that have the opportunity to do so well in this business and create dreams and really, really be wildly successful and so I kind of just piggybacked that idea and I said I'm going to grow this team to you know allow agents to kind of plug in give them a system give them a model give them a platform that allows them to build a growing and sustainable uh, real estate business and that's really what I attached to late in 2015 I kind of 
stepped outside a little bit out of out of production and I'm not doing a whole lot now, but I'm staying relevant with the coaching and the training and and really helping agents take their business to the next level. And that's where my true passion lies. And, you know, I couldn't be having more fun than I am today. That's great. So you do you let's talk about the the um, the model that you embrace. Is it is there a lot of online lead generation going on that's, you know, are you buying leads? Are you using some of the old school techniques that are super popular right now, um, which is just a lot of hard work and a lot of touching people? What, what Where do you fit? Yeah, so we do a lot of online lead generation. Um, that definitely is, you know, one of the attracting factors to come on the team. But, you know, what I would say is that my platform allows growth, right? I mean, it's, it's really don't go and make the same mistakes I did. When I went out on my own, I spent a ton of time and energy and resources and cash and just tried to figure out, hey, how do you build this system that literally you can you can grow and scale and do all this stuff? Well, I, I believe I have it figured out. So that's what I provide. It's everything from when you plug in, you get to build you your brand and take it into the to the marketplace and really build your business. And so it's not about me and the Coleman group. It's about, you know, an agent plugs in, they brand themselves, but there's this platform on the back that, that runs. Yeah, we do a lot of lead generation, but that's a supplement to their income. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things we do is we provide the training and the, and really, really focus on, and I'll say it again, growth and sustainability. Every agent in the business rides the roller coaster of real estate and it's an epidemic. And I, you know, I'm here, my purpose is to try to cure that, right? How do we build that sustainable growing real estate business? So you don't have to experience these highs and lows. And that's really what we're about without getting too much into, you know, what systems we use and all that stuff. Right. It's really a plug and play platform. So you're, you, you started a website called getarealcareer.com, right? Yep. I love the name of that. Obviously real being kind of an important <laughs> part of that. That's very cool. Tell, tell me, yeah. what, tell me about that site and what was your vision there? Obviously it's part of this, you know, helping people grow and it's a way to, that people can come in, but talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So get a, so there's kind of two legs to this, get a real career.com. It's kind of a coaching type of mentorship website that allows me to kind of relay my experiences in, in the real estate business or kind of, you know, go out and just say, hey, this is what I learned. This is what I know. This is ways to stay effective and productive and, and do that. So we built this blog, basically, and I'm really big believer in, you know, I believe that the, 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 the boundaries in marketing are limitless, right? limitless, and, you know, the, the cost is next to free and a lot of the stuff that's available to real estate agents. So through this blog, what I'm trying to do is show real estate agents how easy it is for to allow the consumer to experience you. And you know, my consumer in this instance is, you know, real estate agents, right? I'm trying to grow the team and recruit and that sort of thing. But what's happening from those type of websites and literally getting out there and doing video and doing some of the things like we're doing today and podcasting and all that stuff mm -hmm. now allows the consumer to experience us and therefore, you know, do business with us at some point in time. I truly believe that the consumer is sick of being told and sold to that doing the, these blogs and really coming in from a place of abundance and contribution is where marketing's headed. Well, I couldn't agree more. I think that as uh, consumers get smarter and smarter, and to be quite honest, as they as those digital natives move into you know the sweet yep. spot, <laughs> you, there's the, the, that old school stuff isn't going to work as well. You got to have these ways to be authentic, connect, 
do it digitally, do it how they want it done, right? Does that kind of follow your logic? Yeah, and I think social media is such a hot button for what for the real estate industry right now. And I think it's a hot button everywhere, right? I mean, you look at, you know, it's funny, me and my tax guy were sitting down not too long ago. And I said, you know, if you could blog about taxes and like what it means to me, like I don't know enough about it, right? But if you could really like teach me and educate me and educate the consumer, educate the world about taxes and different things that relate to real estate agents or people that own their own business or whatever it may be, like think about how you could really truly grow your database by doing that. And that's what we're trying to teach agents to do. It's like, guys, we take this for granted most of the time, the real estate transaction. Consumers have questions that keep them up at night and it's our job to help answer those questions. And if we could do that through this digital age where the boundaries are quite limitless, right? And the social media thing's free. I mean, think about how big you could get, how quick you could get and allow the consumer to experience you. Right. You're a big operation now, so I'm just I'm a, I'm a kind of a guesser. Do you have inside sales agents? Do you use ISAs? Yeah. Okay, so yes, I do. I use. I my question to you is this: There's got to be a certain type of person who can do that job. Am I right? And if that's <laughs> and it's not me, you got it. You nailed it. It's a uh, it's a tough job, but you know it's really if you know the disc personality test. I mean, it's really mm -hmm. a high S. Has some uh, has some I in them, obviously, and. It's uh yeah, it's a tough, you know, it's a tough, tough job, but if you get good at it and understand the, you know, the, the follow-up is kind of the key ingredient to the sales secret, to be honest with you, I mean, that's, that's who you need in that role. And I've tried hiring it and, uh, you know, look, it's worked in the past and it hasn't worked and it's a, uh, it's a hard position to fill, fill and retain. But once you get it, you know that you have the right person. You, you have to have that salesman mentality that has to be there because you've got to be able to take the nose. You've got to be able to, to accept that. But at the same time, right. you've got to have this, you got to have this other, this compassion level because it's such a long-term play. Like you mentioned, the follow-up is critical, right? Yeah. You know, it's it, the follow-up is critical, but also, you know, you kind of go into this space that we were talking about with the blogs and stuff. And I'm a really big advocate of, I have a uh, website called We Are Talking Real Estate as well, and that's built for the consumer, the end buyer, the end seller. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we talk about anything on there, right? Like, you know, what, how do bonds and stocks affect interest rate? Or, you know, what's the purchase contract look like? Or how to sell your homes for top dollar in today's market? And we take that content and what I call adaptive marketing and kind of dump it on our database, right? On all the leads that we create on the FISBO and expired and canceled communities and literally everything that we do, our open house leads and stuff. And I promise you that coupled with a really good ISA, I mean, it's growing our bottom line like crazy right now. That's awesome. Let me ask you this. Yep. What, do you, what do you see for the Josh Coleman group in five years? It's not a, not an interview. I'm not, not asking you to hire, to get hired. <laughs> but you, yeah, yeah. You, I know you must have a plan. So let's, yeah, I do. It's funny that you asked that right now. It's, um, you know, the entrepreneurship in me is just like, okay, hey, where are we headed? Where am I? You know, where are we going? And I go bounce off, you know, walls and all that. And it, it, the mind never shuts off. But right. I'm glad that you asked that because here's our goal. And by the end of May of 2016, we're going to, we're projected to be somewhere around 70 to 90 agents. I wish that uh, we kind of had a dispersion rate on that a little tighter that I knew exactly where we were going to be. But we're such in the infancy stages of this. We don't really understand our, our numbers as, as far as kind of talking to people and seeing what they need and understanding, you know, where agents are really going. But um, 
to be honest with you, by the end of 2016, we'll be somewhere between 100 and 150 agents. I want to grow the Phoenix metro area to probably somewhere between 250 and 300 agents. Wow. Um, and once we get there, I believe we'll go to other marketplaces. You know, a lot of that will be dependent upon what the you know housing market's doing in other places. But, you know, you look at hot spots like Austin, Texas right now or Seattle, Washington that – doesn't really have anything like this or Denver, Colorado, which is a crazy market as well. And I really truly think that we'll be in four or five other markets in the next five years. And then from there, I'm, you know, it's, I want to kind of keep this one close to the cuff, but I'm building the university right now that's going to allow agents to kind of experience the whole process of production and understanding their why and how to really build this, what I call growing and sustainable real estate industry and or real estate business. And that's really where my primary focus is now is to go into coaching and training and still have the team and staying relevant in the, in, in the marketplace. That's amazing. We have had you here for about a half an hour and that's kind of what I told you. So I'm going to, I'm going to finish up with this last question that I ask every single guest and okay. so far, no pressure on this. No answer has been duplicated yet in 34 episodes. So no pressure. All right. <laughs> All right. If you could give one piece of advice to a new agent or maybe an agent just stuck in a rut, what would it be? Yeah. Get uncomfortable every day. All right. That's a new one. Good. Let's go. Let's, ex yeah. let's, let's expound on that a little bit. Yeah. So I truly believe that the reason we don't grow as individuals or grow as business people is we just do with what feels right. Right. And if you look at the most successful people and I study them a lot and read a lot of the books and, and just kind of follow it, right, is they do things that they, they aren't comfortable with, but that's why they always continue to progress, right? Balance is, you know, it's like riding a bike. You, you got to keep moving forward to stay balanced, right? And that's what these people are doing. And I truly believe that if you're a real estate agent or if you're just in any business in any industry, right, you just have to continue getting uncomfortable and learning these new balance points and all this stuff. And I promise you growth is just upon the horizon. And if you can, if you can just commit to doing that every day, I promise you, you'll succeed. Josh, thank you so much for spending this half hour with us here today on the Real Estate Sessions podcast. We mentioned a couple of things, but if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the, the best way? Yeah, so reach out to me, getarealcareer.com. All of my uh, credentials or all my contact informa information's on there. I encourage you to just touch base. I, you know, there's no pressure, no hassle. I'd love to talk to you about what's going on in your business and how I can help. And that's really what I'm here for. But yeah, I'd love, you know, for people to reach out and just kind of see what's going on. Well, once again, I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Um, hey, Bill, thanks for the invite. This is awesome. I hit them straight. All right. <laughs> all right, bud. Take care. <laughs> all right. Talk to you soon. And as always, thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, please go ahead and rate it and give us a review. That always helps spread the uh, word about the show. Continue to tell your friends about it. It's how we've grown over the uh, last seven or eight months. It's really been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to getting a full year under our belt and 50 plus episodes here by the end of the summer. So thanks again, and we will see you next week. And remember, keep writing your own story. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions.